let's get it Radically smaller commerce, you wanna test AB On your BDP, pump up that AOV And your B2C, do the 301, avoid the 404 Boost your SEO, get people to the store Got the latest stack, headless, you react You want that seamless customer experience attack Live shopping social, set up your syndication Be relevant, that's our recommendation Radicalist Smarter Commerce is a podcast presented by Aptus with focus on smarter commerce and merchandising. We will talk about trends, new technology, and the importance of being relevant. We will do this by interviewing exciting guests to be inspired by their success stories and insights. And I'm your host, Thomas Sjöberg, and I will be joined by different colleagues here at Aptus depending on topic and guest. Hi, and welcome to the Radical Smart Commerce podcast. And today we're going to look into shopping behaviors in 2021. Our friends at Voyardo has actually done a new research piece. And we're going to talk with Malena Kiss in just a moment about that. But first, I want to say welcome to my co-host of the day, Rasmus Holmgren, the sales director here at uh, Aptus. So welcome, Rasmus. Thank you very much, Thomas. So is this your podcast debut? It actually is. So uh, yeah, eager, but uh, quite nervous at the same time. Okay, cool. So uh, you work with uh, sales here at uh, Aptus. So what does your team look like? Uh, the team consists of a SDR team, we have salespeople, we have a, a pre-sales organization. So pretty standard setup for the uh, SaaS environment in 2021. Okay, cool. But now uh, it's a totally other game. So uh, let's go in and, and talk to Malena and see what uh, insights they can provide us with. Let's do that. Today, we want to welcome Malena Kiris from Voyado here as a guest in the Radical Smart Commerce podcast. So welcome, Malena. Thank you so much. Welcome, Malena. Thank you. So before we go into talking about today's topic, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. I'm uh, the marketing manager for Sweden, Finland and the UK market at Voyado. And uh, I joined Voyado in October last year, um, but I had been working with Voyado for almost a year prior to that, since I was working at an agency that was hired by Voyado. Okay. Yeah, but I ended up falling in love with the brand and the people and the product. So I joined full time in October, like I said. Okay. Uh, uh, what do you do at Voyado? Well, I used to be the copywriter up until June 1st, um, now that I've entered this marketing manager role. But uh, yeah, so at the moment, I'm pretty much doing a little bit of both. <laughs> but I will be working a lot with the partners uh, in the UK, Finland and Sweden, and obviously taking care of ads, uh, leads, you know, everything a marketing manager is supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're up in Stockholm, right? Yes, I am. Okay. So uh, content and marketing background and uh, also uh, continuing helping Voyager go into new markets. Yes, that is correct. We will be focusing a lot on UK in the, in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So for those that don't know Voyado, uh, what are you doing and uh, who are you helping with your product? Yeah. So Voyado is a CXP, a customer experience platform, and we are created for e-com and retail businesses only. And um, our slogan is making brands easy to love. And we do that by giving brands an easy to use platform that includes everything they need to create personalized customer experiences, basically. And yeah, this leads to increased retention and loyalty. 
And um, one of our USPs is that since we are so intuitive, our customers can go from planning a campaign in the morning to executing in the afternoon, which is a very good thing. Okay, so if I'm a retailer and I have your solution, what do I actually do? I mean, I guess I log into your solution and then... (laughs) And then what? (laughs) Yeah, what happens? You go into a dashboard. That's the first uh, thing you see. Um, Where you see all the KPIs, basically. You choose the KPIs you want to see. How your emails are performing, your marketing automation, the purchase value and stuff like that. Um, But we have six main features. uh, And this includes uh, CDP where you collect all the customer data. Uh, We have a marketing automation feature, which is actually my favorite because it's like ridiculously easy to use, but it's super powerful. And that is where you can create like super personal customer experiences and you can create like tons of automations. And yeah. All right, cool. You recently released a report around shopping behavior. Uh, Just before we go into that, uh, do you do reports on a regular basis? Yes, we do. Um, And since we have well-known brands uh, as our customers in markets like the Nordics, in the Netherlands, and in the UK, um, this gives us a total of over 100 million end consumers in our platform. Mm. Uh, And this is data that is spread out of the Northern Europe. So we have released four reports like this in the past. This is the fifth one. Um, And we have done two big like yearly index reports comparing customer behaviors like average receipt, purchase frequency, return rates, etc. And we also did a Black Friday report in 2020 that compared numbers from 2019 to 2020. And then we had a COVID-19 special edition um, comparing how shopping behaviors change when the pandemic started. Okay, and this latest one, what is uh, that covering? Um, it's uh, it's covering pretty much uh, the things I mentioned, like the purchase frequency, average receipt, products per purchase, and some email statistics. Um, and we compare e-com to physical stores. And uh, yeah, we also divide all of these findings into age brackets and genders. Um, and it ranges from the age of 18 to 25, which is the youngest group of customers. And it goes up to 65 plus. Okay. All right, cool. So uh, this data is this is is this something that you analyze yourself, or or do you sort of buy it? No, uh, I mean not me personally. <laughs> I'm not a data scientist, uh, but we do have a data scientist uh, at Voyado, and he looks at these numbers. And for this specific report, he looked at um, purchase data from 16 million purchase occasions. Okay. Um, yeah, but I do just have to mention that this report is based on aggregated and anonymous data um, from our platform. All right. But it comes from Voyado. Cool. And what we're going to do in this episode, as I mentioned before we started this interview, is to deep dive in some of the findings here uh, around shopping behaviors in 2021. And uh, really looking forward to that. So to start with, what trends have you seen when it comes to e-commerce? Can you give us any numbers? Yeah, well, the obvious one, uh, that it keeps on growing. (laughs) We saw that the average e-com receipt went up with uh, 46% compared to last year. And we saw that the absolute highest average receipt value was found in men between 26 and 35. So they are the big spenders. Okay. Um, But that is actually something that is seen in all of the reports that we have done. Uh, Men spend more money than women. 
So when you say receipt, is that sort of the total amount of what you buy at a certain location or is it a separate product? No, it's uh, like the, the value of one specific receipt. So it could be multiple products in one receipt. Okay, multiple products on the receipt. So what I put in the shopping cart and then I check out and I lose my money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, so that is the receipt. Yeah. So that that has grown. You, you buy more every time you buy. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So now we're talking specifically about e-com. Um, and just adding to that as well, uh, we did see that the purchase frequency also went up uh, online this year. Ha- have you seen that there is a difference in between different product categories when it comes to the the size of the receipt? I mean, I know that... When we buy groceries, for instance, especially at the beginning of COVID, we, we had really big receipts every time because we hoarded uh, a lot of different mm-hmm. foods. Yeah. In this report, we didn't go into specific industries. And since this is like completely anonymous data, this is just um, a mix of all of our customers, basically. Yeah. And I see it just here in my family. I see that, you know, the... The, the receipt has definitely increased when it comes to clothing because uh, there is, uh, you know, a lot of clothes uh, and you try different uh, variants and sizes and stuff because you don't go into a, a dressing room in the in the store. You have the dressing room in the living room, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's interesting though because do you like in your family? Do you notice that your family members buy more products? than before? I think it differs. I would say probably not when it comes to clothes because you spend more time at home. Yeah. But I think other types of products, uh, you buy more. That is more, I don't know, uh, things to amuse yourself at home. Um, so uh, my daughters, they buy stuff to decorate their rooms with. Uh, I mean, everything from stones to posters to, I don't know, a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, I would say for for my family's part, I mean, we have broadened the scope of what we actually buy online during this pandemic. There are more, I mean, we're, yeah, more niches that we actually buy stuff from, like DY, for example. I did not used to buy that online, but I've done that now the recent year, so. Yeah. And what about you, Malena, on, on the private side? I've done a lot more shopping online as well. Uh, no surprise there. But I mean, less clothing, obviously, for for my part as well, because I have been spending a lot of time at home. So I feel like I don't need to buy a new outfit for a dinner because you can't go to dinners anymore <laughs> or you couldn't go to dinners. Yeah. So, yeah, I think me and my boyfriend spend more money on products that adds to our home. Okay. Yeah. So I would say like furniture, maybe not not furniture per se, but things that improve our home because we spend so much time at home. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they spend a lot of money on their gardens now as well. Maybe, I mean, some of that, I guess you can uh, buy online as well, but there I think you see an offline maybe purchase boost also when you go out to all of these places on the countryside and buy buy stuff absolutely but you mentioned the 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 amount of the, of the total receipt has gone up so when it comes to uh, the actual items do we buy more expensive stuff or do we buy cheaper stuff or what does that look like yeah um that's an interesting part because we did see that the customers buy less products 
this year. Okay. But the average receipt has gone up. So it means, um, when we look at these numbers, at least, it means that customers are willing to spend more money on fewer products. So we buy more expensive items. Okay. And I, yeah, I think that goes hand in hand with what we just talked about, at least for me, that, I mean, we spend more money on more expensive things like furniture, and we buy less things like clothing that cost a little bit less. Mm. So I think that might be a reason. But one of the interesting things about this particular metric is that we did see that 18 to 25-year-olds, both men and women, they shop a lot less products this year, but they do spend more. And I think for this age group, I think it has to do with the fact that they are so like environmentally uh, conscious because I do feel like we have seen a shift in that you may be, be willing to spend more money on expensive things, but they last longer. Okay. And how about the uh, yeah the bit older generation? How has that been for them? Yeah, the 65 plus have, uh, they shop more online this year as well. They spend a little bit more, but they shop more online. And that is also a pretty obvious switch, I would say. I know that uh, a solution like yours um, try to gather information from all channels, that is from e-commerce, um, social channels, offline purchases, and so on. So what have you seen from offline purchases, the in-store experience? Do you have any insights from that as well? Yes, we do. And um, when it comes to in-store, we did see an increase in the average receipt as well. Uh, not as much, but it is an increase by 20%. Okay. But the in-store shopping frequency has dropped this year. But I was pretty surprised to see the the number because it, ha it has only dropped by 4%. And I thought it would be more. That sounds really low, actually. I know. <laughs> I thought so, too. So why are the retailers complaining? <laughs> I don't know, because they shop for more. <laughs> they spend more money. Yeah. <laughs> the group that visit the physical stores the least are women between 26 and 35. So that's where we saw the biggest drop okay. in physical stores. And maybe they are the ones that buys uh, 20 items at Boost and, and you know, <laughs> um, take over the living room with, with all of that. Yeah. I don't think like men over 50, I'm just giving an example, I don't think they buy like 20 different items and, um, and doing it at home. It's maybe just quickly into the store, grabbing a bunch of clothes and trying to get out there as soon as possible. Yeah, I think so too. And But like looking at this data for in-store, I think this shows what we all pretty much assumed that it would show, that customers shop less frequently in-store, but when they do shop, they spend more money because I think it has to do with the fact that people just go into the store and they buy everything they need. Maybe not just things they need today or this week, but they think one step ahead to not, like they get everything they need at the same time so they don't have to go into the store again to avoid crowding. Yeah. So any personal experience around this, Rasmus, your in-store history the last year? Now, I think uh, for our part, I think it's, more like we treat the the online stores as our local shops uh, more and more. So I tend to buy with a higher frequency, uh, and I think that has to do with uh, yeah a lot of last mile uh, 
yeah, companies working with Last Mile has made it uh, much more easier now than just a couple of years ago to actually retrieve your parcels. I think we talked about, you know, behavior um, when it comes to uh, shopping offline in the stores that you go in quick and you grab everything you want and you get out of there. So I think the the question was uh, any personal experiences around that uh, shopping in stores during this period. Yeah, from from our part, it has been uh, yeah a massive drop in uh, in physical stores throughout the uh, throughout the pandemic. Absolutely, uh, shifting to yeah, buying most things online. Absolutely. All right then. I know another thing that you monitor quite closely and where you have a lot of data is when it comes to um, emails. So could you share some numbers about the efficiency of uh, email marketing and so during these times? Yeah, of course. Um, So like you mentioned, email is a channel that we work a lot with or our customers work a lot with. Um, I do want to mention that we work a lot with text messages as well, um, which is a highly effective marketing channel. We did not look at the numbers for this specific report, but just to mention it. Maybe a teaser for the next one. Yes. Absolutely. Um, But what we looked at when it comes to the emails is specifically the open rate and the click rate in emails. Okay. Yeah. And um, some good news to everyone who's listening is that both the open rate and the click rate has gone up this year compared to last year. Any theories why? Um, Yeah, (laughs) I have a theory because um, we also looked at something that we call the personalization rate. Um, and what we did is that we looked at how many times our brands are using personalized fields and especially in the subject lines in for the emails. Okay. And um, hold on to your hats now because the number has gone up by 76%. That's a lot. Is, is that because people are putting more love into this channel now where they can't reach them in other ways? Yeah, I would say definitely, yes. And uh, I mean, it's it's a pretty simple thing to do, just adding a personalized field in the subject line. And this has led to uh, an open rate increase by 8% and a click rate increase by 13%. So it's not like the really low numbers either. It's, it's a pretty good increase when it comes to emails. Okay. And um, yeah, everyone knows that emails is one of the most cost-effective marketing channels out there. So... I would say this is really good news and I would like if I could recommend one thing to everyone who's listening right now and working with emails is to just start adding personalized fields more. Yeah, and emails is one of the few ways that you can work with retention and getting your customers back to your e-commerce because uh, they will they will browse the internet and they will look for products in a lot of different places but if you if you sort of get them to be a customer, you're allowed to send them emails, then you can, on a regular basis, also try to give them relevant information, product recommendations, and so on. And I know this is also an area where we have a lot of joint customers that uses um, the knowledge that you have from the Apto solution about um, the shopper intent and the buyer behavior on the site, and then it could be then merged with with the audiences in, in Voyado. So, so I think... Uh, there is a lot of good opportunities, and uh, I guess you can even 
pump these figures out more. Absolutely. And I mean, like I said, we just looked at the personalization fields in the subject line. But I do believe, like I personally believe that personalization is, it's so important to work with and not just these personalized fields. It's, there's so much more you can do. And I know I mentioned it in the beginning, but marketing automation, I mean, that is a feature and a way of working that like it has so many opportunities. You can create customer journeys that are super specific and relevant and personal, like based on a specific product purchase and stuff. You can create workflows based on pretty much anything. Like I really think that personalization is the way to go. Okay, and talking about the personalization and, and the emails with a you know, staggering growth, uh, how is it looking between different age group? Is it a, a, yeah, a huge increase for all or is there anything that pops out? Um, we do have a pop-up in um, personalization fields for both men and women between 18 to 25. That's the highest increase. Um, and we did see an increase in open and click rate in both of these, like men and women between 18 to 25 as well. So that's the age group that stands out the most, I would say. Um, and I would also assume that this is an age group that might be pretty hard to reach via email. Yeah. But that personalization is obviously one of the keys to get them to engage more with emails. So a question here as well is, um, you mentioned personalization, but personalization based on what? What is typically how you segment your your customers to, to send them different messages? I mean, are we talking about how you create the segmented lists or what kind of personalized fields? Well, maybe both. So may, may, maybe start with personalized fields. What, what kind of... Um, of content do do you usually personalize? Yeah, well, we don't have that information in this report. Um, but I would say, like, I don't know if we could put this in the podcast, but what we did um, at Voyado, we started using first name in the subject line. After this report, I was like, we should try this uh, for our own email marketing. So we started using some, like, just a first name, like, uh, Thomas, here's your index report. Okay. And just think about it. Like if you got that subject line, would that make you more prone to open the email than if it just said, here is your index report? But but it uh, definitely creates a reaction with you when you see it. And um, it, it pops out a little bit more. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, now we're coming into a little bit about in what ways can you personalize uh, emails? And you mentioned that some things could be on a personal level, like using the name and so on. But then I guess that that you don't personalize the actual content for each person. You're doing that more on a segment or audience level. So that's what, what, what I was thinking about when it comes to personalization. Is, is that also um, what are typically how you divide your different target groups? Um, I, I know this is not so much about the report, but it's about generally the knowledge that you guys have. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that we talk about a lot as well, um, the segmentation tool that we have. So in Voyoto, you can basically, let's say you are um, a clothing store that sells uh, a lot of different clothing and you sell socks and you have a high stock in socks. Yeah. And you're thinking in the morning, like, how can we sell these socks? We need to get rid of them because they're taking up a lot of space in our storage. Okay. 
And then you can just go into Voyado, you go into the segmentation tool and you can find, um, let's say you want to sell, let's say it's specifically sports socks, just to make it even more um, segmented. You can go into Voyado and you can um, find a target audience uh, based on uh, age. Let's say this is um, grown-up socks, so you can choose like the age between 18 to 50. Uh, you can find the ones who has bought uh, sports socks within the past six months. You can even add the ones who bought, let's say, sports shoes Okay. Uh, within the six, six months. Uh, you can divide it into the ones that live in Stockholm, because that's where you are and that's where you're high in stock. That's where the money is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can also divide it, like you can choose the ones who are um gold or silver members um okay yeah so there's a lot you can choose from so you can find specific audiences for specific uh, messages okay yeah so for the ones that wants to work with personalization even more to get better results in the emails there is a lot of opportunities to be more relevant and target those messages okay yes for sure uh, so so rasmus how do you re react when you get an email that seems to be i mean a little bit targeted to your flavor or personal taste i basically expect it to be i mean since i am in the line of business that we are i get uh, not angry that's the wrong word but I, I get frustrated when i get something that is absolutely not relevant to me so i i expect and i demand things that i receive to be actual personal uh i mean that's the the age we live in uh the tools are available and uh, companies should really uh start focusing on it more because uh, i'm not opening things that i don't feel is relevant to me at all mm. yeah i totally agree uh, and i think one of the most irritating things is when you get something when you get a message and they say that this is relevant for you, we we know that you or or so, and they are wrong. It's really annoying. Yeah. So um, yeah, that will ruin your experience. It definitely will. You, it ruins your connection to the brand, and it also ruins your trust uh, with the brand. Yes. But what are your what are your own experiences from like if you say you get ten emails, how many of them are actually relevant? Well, on my Gmail address that I've been, you know, uh, spreading out the last 15 to 20 years, you know, <laughs> the vast majority of emails is totally not relevant. Uh, unfortunately, Gmail is pretty good at sorting out spam and promotions and so on, but there's a lot of stuff there that is uh, just trash. <laughs> uh, I would say on, on my Aptos email, uh, most of the things I, uh, I get is uh, relevant. That's good. Yeah, I would say the, the same. I would say there's a, uh, um, yeah, referring to my work email with uh, B2B companies contacting, uh, trying to uh, yeah, get the message across. I think there's been a yeah, quite big shift just uh, yeah, over the last few years with very yeah, original ways to try to get a hold of people, trying different methods, different approaches and things like that. So I think that has improved uh, quite massively. But uh, yeah, uh, normal retailers, there's uh, still a long way to go. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, and I mean, th that must also affect the numbers here a little bit because a lot of these emails from, from retailers must end up in the promotion tab on Gmail, for instance. Yeah, probably. 
but uh, but even so good numbers yeah yeah and i think one reason perhaps yeah, yeah. Uh, is that we use our cell phones more and we saw also a rise within the younger people and when they use their email client on on their phone Uh, the email client might be more forgiving than the Gmail uh, desktop version is, so so you get more of the messages uh, in your face. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, how are retailers adjusting to the the whole COVID situations? Any uh, any prediction for the next year to come from your side? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about we talked about it, um, and the obvious like adjustment that has been done is that. A lot of retailers are moving more and more into e-com, and that is a given. Um, but I've also seen a lot of like hybrid solutions, like uh, curbside pickup when you buy products online, and then you pick it up outside of the physical stores to avoid the crowds and stuff like that. And um, I've also seen a lot of retailers, or maybe not a lot, but a few retailers that are also incorporating contactless payments in store. Mm. I have an own exp own experience from this just uh, a few days ago where I was shopping a fan because it's been really hot in Stockholm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I could use uh, Swish, Swi um Swish, which is a Swedish uh, payment through the phone. So I didn't like I could pay without touching anything in the store. And I think that is also an adjustment that has been made. Yeah, and I think we are probably going to be more aware of germs and uh, you know viruses and bacteria going forward so I, i think these contactless payment solutions will they will prevail uh, because uh, we are not suddenly gonna put our fingers everywhere uh, thoughtlessly uh, as we maybe did before oh, so. absolutely and um just because rasmus you asked me about the predictions for the years to come as well and I do think that we will see a shift in the physical stores moving forward. Um, I don't think they will disappear at all, but there might be a shift into just having smaller stores instead of like the big flagship stores. Uh, retailers might get into just having smaller ones because I think customers still they will still want to visit physical stores because you want to like you want to get a look and feel and ask questions and stuff like that. But I don't think that people will want to go into the stores as much. Um, but so maybe just having like pop-up stores or smaller stores, that might be something for physical stores to do. Yeah, like Mike, yeah, look more like showrooms for the uh, yeah. Yeah, for the e-com. And I mean, physical stores is a, uh, yeah, it's a very important thing for brands as well to really, yeah, convey the brand image and how you, uh, Yeah, how, how you, they want their customers to uh, interpret the brand and get the get the look and feeling. That is some part of it can be hard in the uh, online environment. Yeah, absolutely. But just talking about predictions for the uh, for ecom as well, I think that ecom that they will have to focus a lot more on the customer experience as well, um, because that is what will differentiate them from from others, and that's what will get customers to come back. Um, so just like looking at yourself and your own behaviors, like why do you choose a particular brand? Um, like it's almost every time it has to do with the experience that you get. Um, and it makes you talk to your friends and family about them and you want to like support them and all of that. But I think that Ecom will be focusing even more on AI. Um, like 
virtual reality maybe like you can look at yourself in in a virtual dressing room <laughs> and stuff like that i did hear that ikea has started or will start with some sort of app where you can log in and uh, like get your own room in there and like build it with their furniture and see what it will look like mm. um, and i think this is something yeah to look out for yeah probably because what they have had for a while, and uh, well, this is an interest area of mine with AR and VR, is the AR app, augmented reality, where you, where you can sort of put your phone and you can see a particular furniture in your living room. But also the modern phones, like the, the latest iPhone, they have the so-called LiDAR um, sort of component that, that actually can scan your room and create a 3d version of it so then then you could have a virtual model of your room or even your whole house and, and see how everything fits and so on so yeah it, it's quite cool it is and i think this is what will happen because we will be moving a lot more into ecom yeah that's my guess cool i do want to add another thing that i think will be important in the future as well and that is sustainability um because with online shopping continuing to grow the environment is affected by the increased amount of returns and all of the shipping and stuff um mm. so i think that you, brands will need to talk about how they are working with sustainability and like actively doing things to reduce returns as well um maybe talk about like what kind of uh, delivery options do we have? Are we choosing the, the greenest uh, provider? Things like that. Well, it's good, I think, to get a lot of numbers behind our hunches here. And uh, great to have you doing these reports on a regular basis and, and provide the community with those insights. Uh, just to sum up, uh, the key takeaways, again, f would you say from the report would be? Yeah, key takeaways is uh, that e-com obviously is growing a lot. Uh, personalization in emails is um, a big thing, something brands need to start working with if you're working with marketing or email as a marketing tool. All right, cool. Thank you for that. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, Malena. Thank you. And we're looking forward to more numbers from, from the Voyado uh, research uh, going forward. Yes, thank you. It's been a pleasure being here as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us, Malena. <laughs> thank you. To be up to date with podcast-related matters, follow our LinkedIn page. And if you want to participate in discussions or recommend topics and guests, please join our Facebook group as well. Just search for Radically Smart Commerce and you will find us. And of course, if you want to contact me directly, you can always reach out on LinkedIn. My name is Thomas Sjöberg. You find the podcast on all platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Acast, as well as at radicallysmartercommerce.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you like the podcast. It helps us find new listeners. And you can also follow Aptus at LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.